أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجهم Okay, so last session we covered, we started with ikhlas, <coughs> which um, has to do with, of course, the intention a person has when they are doing anything related to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and anything in general even. And so we talked about how to be religious, yeah, we have to see what religion means or what religion dictates to us certain things, how, how th- certain things have to be. The Quran told us, and it also told us And so the explanation of these two verses was Quality and quantity matter When it comes to our actions and intentions Quantity and quality You know, the ikhlas that a person has Both in a quality, from a quality perspective And a quantity perspective If a person has both They have religion According to this and if they have religion, that means they are religious people. Okay, that simple. Um, this 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 impurity that um, we have to get rid of. Talked about this as well. Is everything and anything other than Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So then we talked about how. Um, you cannot have a mix of both either Allah and other than Allah. And so then the whole discussion came up about how is does this mean God is jealous? Does this mean God needs our attention? Does this mean that God is arrogant? And so on and so forth. And we talked about that as well. I don't want to get into that again. Yeah, so that was a, a picture of, uh, I would say, an overview of what we covered last time. And the most important thing that stood out for us was, at least for me, was that hadith that says whoever says la ilaha illallah with ikhlas goes to jannah but then the interpretation and explanation of that was that saying it with ikhlas means that that la ilaha illallah will stop you from disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yes so all of this will lead to jannah it'll lead to liqaullah now today what we want to discuss is the hadith that we ended with in our last session where it says kind of illustrates to us how important ikhlas is that it can do wonders for us we can become a channel through which Allah does work we can become a channel through which Allah's wisdom flows that famous hadith is man akhlasa lillahi arba'ina sabahan fajarallahu yanabi al-hikmati min qalbihi ala lisanihi so we ended on this hadith that whoever has ikhlas for Allah for 40 days, let's say, from that person's heart will gush out the streams and springs of hikmah and wisdom. So that was the hadith. So he wants to now talk about this hadith a little bit and break it down. This hadith the first thing he says about it, Ayatollah Jawadi Amuli, he says that, yes, the greats have said that if you want to make some proper spiritual gains, that it is a good, one of the one of the methods that can be used, now in Farsi they call it Arba'in Giri, or Chilla Giri, 
which means those 40-day devotion periods, you know, that you do something for 40 days. We've always heard these stories. And uh, as a result, certain things, will blessings will come your way. Now, there are different opinions here. Does it have to necessarily be 40? Like, does Islam have an emphasis on the number 40? Is the number 40 a you know, a special number in Islam? Or no, is it just because 40 days is an amount that, you know, will probably establish something within us, you know, and uh, deeply root it within us? Or is it, because so like 39 won't work, or 41 won't work, you know, that kind of thing. There are different opinions here. If you want to be on the safe side though, go for 40. Go for 40. So he's talking about, he says that this is what some of the greats have pointed out that we can make spiritual gains by having these 40-day devotion periods, I'm going to call them. So what does that mean now? This uh, uh, 40 days of whatever I'm doing, he says it does not mean that for 40 days we will refrain from people, we will refrain from uh, social activities and social work. And No, no. That, he says that's not what is meant. But what is meant is 40 days of disconnecting from other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and only doing work for Him. So what is meant by disconnecting from other than Allah, once again, doesn't mean I don't talk to anybody. It means that I'm going to try my best to work on my heart and so that anything that I do will have Him in mind as well, Allah in mind as well. He says that's what is meant by this hadith that he wants to talk about now in general. But then he gets even more specific. He says, okay, question. This hadith said 40 days ikhlas and after that hikmah will flow from a person's heart to their tongue. He says three meanings in particular can be meant by this hadith. So we talked about what it does not mean and what it means in general. But now specifically, what is it talking about? He says it can be one of three things. It can either mean that a person will try their best and work on themselves to the point where after 40 days, they achieve ikhlas. So for 40 days, I'm working on myself. On the 40th day, inshallah, I reach that 100% ikhlas. That's one meaning, he says, it can, that can be meant here. But he says that's not what it's meant. That is not what is meant. He doesn't explain why that is not what is meant. I'll just share with you what I think. Ikhlas is something that is supposed to be achievable. At least the basic ikhlas. When the hadith says, Man It means that you have what it takes to do this. So do it for 40 days. That's what the hadith seems to be saying. When you look at it at face value. How can it mean, no, no, you won't be able to have ikhlas for 40 days. Try it until you get there. No, it seems to be saying that, you know, the ikhlas that you can have, that everyone can achieve very easily, they should be trying their best to achieve that from day one all the way to day, to day 40, especially if you're trying to make this a good habit. Yeah. So he says that's not what is meant. Well, what's the second possibility here of what can be meant? He says another possibility is that the hadith is saying or might be saying that we have to have the same ikhlas every day for 40 days. He says this is also not meant. What is, it is not, this is not what is meant by the hadith. He doesn't give an explanation of why though, once again. 
And so I personally don't think that this, I, I personally think this might be one of the meanings of this hadith actually. That same basic ikhlas that I can have, but I just fail on, you know, having lots of times. I pay close attention to myself. I have that tadakkur and remembrance. And so as a result of that, I make sure to have that basic ikhlas that's ex expected of me throughout the day. What's wrong with this Ayatollah Jawadi? He doesn't say what's wrong with this. He is more inclined towards this third meaning. He says the third possibility is that what is meant is that I will have this ikhlas and it will constantly over these 40 days evolve and accumulate to the point where on the 40th day it's at its perfect form. So in the beginning, is it's a very basic form of ikhlas, but then it ends with a very high form of ikhlas. I want to say that these two are not these these uh, these two meanings are not mutually exclusive, though. Personally, very humbly, I say this. I would say that perfecting the ikhlas is not something necessarily in our hands. Just because I have it on day one doesn't mean I can perfect it on day 2 and 3 4 all the way to day 40. But rather, if I continue to do what I can do, which is the basic ikhlas, and I try to keep up with that for 40 days, then Allah will allow that ikhlas that I'm supposed to have to perfect, to, to get perfect, to get better and better. right? Such that on the 40th day, as a blessing of, as a result of Allah's blessing, I have a better form of ikhlas than I did on, on day one. So these two are not actually, in my opinion, they're not mutually exclusive. So this hadith is letting us know two things maybe. Number one, you do your part, Allah will do His part. What's my part? Continue with the basic ikhlas. Everything that I'm going to do, let me ask myself beforehand, is in what way is this? does this have the approval and satisfaction of Allah? I'm going out for a walk. Why am I going out for a walk? <clears throat> let's do this for Allah somehow. I'm having lunch, dinner. Let's have this. Let's have Allah in mind for this. You know, we've heard these stories before that everything we do can in one way or another have something to do with Allah. So let me do this for 40 days. On day one when I started, it might have been harder. On day 40, maybe it's easier. On day one, it wasn't a very complete form of it, but I was trying my best. Now on day 40, Allah blesses me with a more complete understanding or a more complete form of this ikhlas. At the end of the day, it starts with the basic ikhlas, in my opinion. yeah, And it's not something that we can necessarily do. I don't know. And unfortunately, he doesn't explain any more than this. He just says that after 40 days, it accumulates and perfects to the point where yeah, it's at its highest level on day 40. And that's where my question will come. What, what, what if it doesn't perfect on the day on day 40, but it perfects on day 45, on day 50, you know? Yeah, but all in all, it seems that we have a good idea of what's expected of us according to this hadith. So this hadith, he goes into it because we were talking about ikhlas in general. He's just telling us one of the fruits of this ikhlas, what it's going to be if we continue it for 40 days. And then he makes his way into a couple of verses where he wants to um, provide some kind of proof from the Qur'an that this is the case. 
that if we continue, then wisdom will flow from our heart to our tongues. He he brings a verse of the Quran. This verse of the Quran actually it has to do with, you know, physical, natural rain, and water that's running on the ground. And then he wants to connect that to another verse, and it's like he gets a little poetic here, yeah. And so he stretches things a little bit to get a nice, uh, a nice uh, little uh, proof for. All of what we're talking about. So he says, look, does it not say in Surah Zumar, verse 21, does it not say, Alam tara anna allaha anzala minas sama'i ma'an fasalakahu yanabi'a fil ard? Does the Quran not say that have you not seen that Allah sends down water from the sky? Then he conducts it through the ground as springs and streams. So Allah is behind the water flowing, okay? The word that's in this verse is yanabi' okay? Yanabi' means springs. What did the hadith say? The hadith we had by the Prophet ﷺ was مَنْ أَخْلَصَ لِلَّهِ أَرْبَعِينَ سَبَحًا فَجَّرَ اللَّهُ يَنَابِعَ الْحِكْمَةِ So the hadith had the word yanabi' This verse that's talking about natural rain and water is also using the word yanabi'. So he uses this as an inspiration for him to connect these two together. And so he says that if Allah is going to be sending down the rain from the skies, then he's going to be the, also the one who's going to be allowing this wisdom to flow as springs from the heart. And so what is the problem that for some people, Allah doesn't choose for wisdom to flow from their heart on their tongue. Well, we sat, we had before the 40 days of ikhlas, so they lack ikhlas. But even more than that, what else is there? What is wrong with their heart that water cannot gush out as a spring, just like he does it with rain, and just like how the Prophet said, for some people this happens, he brings this other verse, that is Surah Mutaffifin, Verse 14, it says, That indeed, no, no. Listen to this. Rather, rain, not rain, rain. Okay? With a ra, not an r. In Arabic, rain means rust, can mean filth. And so, what is the problem with these people? Why is there not wisdom gushing from their hearts? Just like the springs that gush with water that Allah sends down. What was wrong with them? What's the problem? The problem was, what their what their, their their deeds and their actions. I, I just want to bring it all together. The hadith that we had before, that I covered in the beginning today as well. It said that a real ikhlas with la ilaha illallah is what is that which holds you away from saying la ilaha illallah with ikhlas is what? What does what does that mean? To say la ilaha illallah with ikhlas means that you stay away from haram. Misdeeds. This verse is saying, Kalla bal rana ala makanu yaksibun. Their misdeeds covered their hearts with rust. Well, these uh, 
those little um, uh, pathways from which our heart, from which those springs can gush out of our heart, if those are plugged with rust, is anything going to come out? No. So you see how he very nicely, poetically, whatever you want to say, brings these two verses and those two hadiths together. Okay? Um, you know, as I'm explaining it, I'm figuring it out myself. So it's okay if, if it's hard to follow for you. I'll repeat. We want, we want uh, wisdom to gush out like springs and like water from our heart, the same way it gushes out from the ground. How do springs gush out from the ground? Well, you have the water flowing underground, right? It is when there's a vulnerability, when there's a hole here or there, that water gushes out. But if those holes are plugged, will water gush out? No, it won't gush out. So the same way the earth has to have those little holes here and there where water can gush out and those holes cannot be plugged, the heart also has openings here and there where wisdom can gush out. But what's the problem? That the water wants to gush out. In other words, Allah wants to make it happen. The problem isn't Allah, the problem is us. And that is that we have plugged the hearts with what? With the rust of what? Of sin, of guna and disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see like how everything goes back to this, brothers and sisters. Like you have to have the right i'tiqad and beliefs, of course. But after that, yeah, you know, it's all about deeds, deeds, deeds. How many times have I said this? 83 times so far? Well, let's say the 84th time. That we will not look at sin anymore the same way. <laughs> sin is not something necessarily that I am trying to avoid so that I don't go to Jahannam. Well, that's good. Better than nothing. The Quran is always pushing us in that direction. But... If you're really interested in a lot more, then that's where it's all at. If you're interested in more spiritual growth, we have to cleanse our lives of any disobedience of Allah. No excuses are accepted here. On the Day of Judgment, yes, inshallah, they'll let us go to Jannah. They'll say, you have the intercession, you have uh, the buka ala al-Husayn, you have all these things. Yeah, But a person who sins, and will not go to Jahannam as a result of intercession, inshallah, they cannot expect anything more than that too much probably. Because we have to have the readiness and the capacity for Allah's blessing to be put within us. And that only happens through these things. There's no joke here. Alright. And so I want to now read with for you um, some of the things that he talks about. He says, after saying all of that, I want to, sh I want to, he says, point out something in regards to this hadith. It's an interesting point, and I really like it. And once again, it is something that we have kind of alluded at before, or alluded to before. He says, look, observing these 40-day periods of devotion to Allah, yeah? For example, in our case here, it was ikhlas. Staying away from haram, staying away from makruh even, all these things. He says, if it is done for, so we learned the hadith, right? We learned the hadith that said, if you do this for 40 days, wisdom will flow onto your tongue from your heart, right? <laughs> he says, if a person is doing this <laughs> so that wisdom flows from their heart to their tongue, 
then this is not ikhlas. Look at that. So we learn the hadith. The hadith is telling us, you do, you, you do, for, you do 40 days of ikhlas, this happens. The fact that I know this hadith and this is the outcome and fruit of having 40 days of ikhlas goes against ikhlas. Somebody shoot me please. <laughs> you see? Now, a person like me will, will be looking at all of this and I'll be like, oh my God, so that's another thing I have to observe and keep in mind and you know, I have to bring that into the equation and, 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 and take it into consideration. And so yeah, for me that's another variable. But for the people of Allah, for the people of God, the thing is that they've moved beyond these things to have to worry about them. It's a person like me who has to worry about these things. I'm like, oh my God, look at that oxymoron. Look at that, how contradictory it seems, self-contradictory it sounds. The fact that to have the ikhlas, it might have even been better if I didn't hear this hadith. Now that I heard the hadith, I know about one of the fruits of ikhlas for 40 days. And so now I have that in mind. The fact that I have that in mind goes against ikhlas. That's for a person like me, okay? So he says, if, it is, if this is done for the fact that wisdom is going to flow, then yeah, that goes against ikhlas. And by the way, don't get too disheartened either and be like, okay, so maybe it's better for us not to read up on these things and not learn about these things and the fruits of them and the outcomes. No, it's okay. The thing is, sometimes something you do is the reason, for, the reason why you're doing it. Yeah, sometimes what you're doing something for is the reason why you're doing it. In other words, you wouldn't do it if that wasn't there. Sometimes no, you're like, okay, I know about this and I know that this is an incentive, but even if it was not there, I'd still do it. That, that's important. The second goes does not go against ikhlas. So a person reads this hadith, inshallah, and says, wow, right? That's cool to know but it does not have any effect really in them and doing what they did, then that's fine. Once again, these are next, le these are next level matters. Okay? If someone, if this is the reason why they're doing it still, it's okay. That's fine. Go ahead and do it like that. Be like, okay, I want wisdom to flow from my heart to my tongue. That's fine. And inshallah, it will happen. But there's still work to do. Alright, so he goes on. He says, it won't be ikhlas in like in its purest form. And it is mashub, it is, let's say, tainted. And in reality, this individual is like a beggar, yeah, who will do things, but with the condition of a reward. And so as a result, they're not mukhlis, you know, once again, in that purest form. But rather, they're a contractor. <laughs> He's ajir. They're a contractor. They're working for ujrah. Meaning for reward, for compensation. And so then he goes on now. This is important for some, I would say a small fraction of even some of our youth today, which I've noticed are interested in studying, reading up on Islam, reading up on certain Islamic sciences. You know, nowadays, like, Ilmur Rijal is like a hot topic in some circles. Yeah, a person might not have even done any Hausa work. But they'll talk about ilm al-rijal and ilm al-hadith and stuff like that. Okay, it's like cool stuff nowadays, which is fine. I'm, I'll take that over it. the other stuff that's cool any day. Okay, <laughs> alhamdulillah for that. But let's keep let keeping that in mind. Let's say I I, I let's say forget about that. Let's say I'm a sheikh even whatever, and I just want to learn more and more. Okay, 
He says, based on all of what we said, if a person studies to become Hakim, a, a wise person, an Alim, alright, even this person, okay, this is the next level stuff, okay, so don't let this dishearten you. He says, even this studying is not doesn't have ikhlas. And he, he makes sure to point out that this is next level by saying, and this will be an example of Hasanatul Abrar Sayyatul Muqarrabin. Hasanatul Abrar Sayyatul Muqarrabin. The Hasanat of righteous people, Hasanat means good deeds, okay? The good deeds of righteous people is sometimes the misdeeds of the Muqarrabin, the close ones to Allah. All right, let me explain this with an example, okay? There are some who after praying Salat, they might do istighfar from that Salat. Not that they did a haram act, but they're like, you know, I know what kind of Salat I prayed. This Salat, half of it I was thinking about, you know, my work. The other half I was thinking about tomorrow night where I'm going out for dinner with my friends, you know? This is a Salat that I'm, you know, as a result of me praying it, I'm not going to go to Jahannam because I prayed Salat. And I did it because Allah said so. But this good act, not a bad act, good act, which uh, is something, a good act the Abrar do, the righteous ones do, is still considered a bad deed for the Muqarrabin, the ones who are close and in proximity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because my attention wasn't in that Salat. There are some acts... If they're not done in their purest form, they are considered a misdeed in the dictionary of some elite individuals. Okay? Here Ayatullah Jawadi, he says, if a person is studying to become an alim, then this will be an example of Hasanatul Abrar Sayyatul Muqarrabin. If I'm sitting here, you know, going through this book that we're going through, yeah, and I have certain intentions like this in mind, then that sh- that that will be a problem, and I guess that it is, that it is what it is then for me, <laughs> you know. Why am I teaching this, for example? Well, I'm teaching so I can benefit myself, you know. All right, well then, Hasanatul Abrar, Sayyatul Muqarrabin. What what's it supposed to look like then? Ayah Jawadi Amali, who's killing us with this uh, next level stuff here that. I always say I'm not, I'm not too comfortable talking about because I'm nobody to talk about these things. But it's part of the book and let's go through it. And I think that it will set certain standards for us at least. He says, In the beginning, they will tell you that if a person goes to study for fame, for get, for, to get known for fortune, then they're not mukhlis. And he says, this is true. But if you want to be even more accurate, what you need to say is that if a person studies to become Alim Rabbani, a spiritual scholar, and to become one who serves the Khalq of Allah, and to help them from, and, and, to, and to guide them from misguidance, and so that, that that they are resurrected with the prophets, he says, this is not going to be ikhlas either. <laughs> yeah. And then there's in quotation marks, he says, Bibin rah as kujas He says, look at these two, compare these two. On one side, we're telling people, 
hey, don't do it for fame and fortune. This goes against ikhlas. Some, that is what needs to be said to them. Some, this is what needs to be said to them. And he says, look at the distance between these two. Look at the spectrum. Okay? Then what are we supposed to have in mind then? I know some of you are hating me right now for going through this, but I hate myself too right now, okay? <laughs> he says, this person should be studying and acquiring knowledge only for Allah's satisfaction. Okay, thank you for telling us this, So from this day forward, that's what I'll do. No, I've said this again and again. Brothers and sisters, this is something we're supposed to grow into. Mature into. In the beginning, I should not be going uh, to this book and that book for fame and fortune. After a while, and continuing this basic ikhlas, it should slowly turn into, yeah, I'm going so that I become Alim Rabbani. I am going to study and learn Islam, whether it's here or elsewhere, in the West or in the East. I am going to study to become a divine, a godly scholar. That's good. But it should slowly turn into, I am studying for Allah. Well, what are you going to get out of it? I don't know. I don't care. All I know is Allah wants me to do this. Yeah. Even though I know I'll be using this to guide others. I know if I continue this path, inshallah, I'm resurrected with the prophets. I know this. Okay. But this is not the reason why I'm doing it. It's something that I have knowledge of. The reason why I'm doing all of this is Allah's satisfaction. Allah has said through the Prophet, ilm, I will pursue knowledge. Khalas. Yeah? Yes, brother? That's good. That's why Allah Jawadi, you know, when he says these things, when he's saying these things, he has to be careful because it might confuse some of us, you know. Yes, we are doing this because of Allah's satisfaction, lying in, guiding others. Okay? So in the end, what if no one's guided? I don't care. Because Allah's satisfaction. There's a little subtle yeah, difference here. There will be some, okay, who when they don't get the numbers, that will be a deal breaker for them. They are doing this for Allah to guide others, but still you see signs of yeah, lack of ikhlas. Why? Because numbers also matter. Yeah. You understand what I'm trying to say? So yeah, that's fine. What you're what you're asking. That what if someone is doing this for the satisfaction of Allah because they know satisfaction of Allah lies in guidance of people. Okay, that's fine. And so here, that's why, and I'm glad that you asked this question because he doesn't differentiate right now. He's trying to get that general rule across. But yeah, the general rule is this. Allah's satisfaction, period. I know Allah's satisfaction lies in me studying because I know once I study, then when I preach to others, I'm not going to misguide them instead of guiding them. Yeah? So just keep that in mind. But you see, the thing is, if we're not careful, that other side overtakes us. Okay, This is something that we, if we can look down inside and we find it within us. And once this person notices, oh, I wasn't able to guide anybody, then all of a sudden this might become a deal breaker for them. Okay, No, it shouldn't be like that either. So we have to look for the signs of that, be very careful and vigilant that it doesn't reach that point. Okay, Yes, I want to open a parenthesis here that sometimes numbers also matter. 
Sometimes quality matters, sometimes quantity matters, sometimes both. It really depends on the situation and the scenario. But even then, I have to see Allah's satisfaction, all right, in there. I have to make sure that that's the reason for it. Why are you after numbers? Because 100% I'm sure now that Allah's satisfaction is in numbers in this, in this specific case, right? So for example, if, you're, uh, <laughs> if you want to get an initiative going, for example, Okay, it requires funding. Someone sits there and says, no, no, this one dollar that this person gave, you know, it's all quality. No, in this specific case, <laughs> all right, there's quantity that matters as well. I am after quantity because I know the job won't get done that Allah's satisfaction lies in without quantity. So really, you know, it, 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 these things matter. He's not making a big deal out of them because he says that's a given. He wants to make sure that these filters that we have never become the actual goal, the filter of quality, quantity, fame, this, that, becoming an alim. He doesn't want me to idolize becoming an alim. Becoming a spiritual person, he doesn't want that to become my Lord all of a sudden. He wants to make sure that that, you know, that chain, that hierarchy is there that, and it ends with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we're not careful, we stop in the middle. We stop in the middle and, the, and what we're stopping at is a spiritual thing, guidance of the people. Before you know it, this person, what matters to them is how good their Instagram page is doing. All right, and that's it. Yeah. But if you're very careful, yeah, it will be important to you what, how your social media is doing. But only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like only, like we really need to stress on this word, only. Yeah. It gets very dangerous. Shaitan here is lurking is waiting for that vulnerability and just grab us at, you know, wherever he can. Uh, the Qur'an says that, لَأَقْعُدَنَّكَ لَهُمْ I think, سِرَاطَكَ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ I'm going to be sitting on your Sirat al-Mustaqeem, oh Allah. When this guy wants to enter Sirat al-Mustaqeem, that's where I'm going to snatch him. <coughs> he says that he should be, or she should be acquiring this knowledge only for Allah. In this case, and as a result, Allah will give them the tawfiq of tabligh, guiding others, and irshad, preaching, and so on. And because this person has become a spiritual alim, and alim here doesn't necessarily mean wearing a turban. Alim here means possessor of knowledge. Okay? Because this person has become a spiritual possessor of knowledge, they will be resurrected with the prophets. Yeah. So you see there is a fine, subtle line here. And so if you put your focus and efforts in Allah's satisfaction only, that's the safe way out. Or else shaitan really has a lot to work with here. And then he goes on to something even more next level. I don't even know if I should say it or not. I've, I, have, I have pointed this out before as well. But he says that even higher than this is that not only will a person use uh, acquisition of knowledge as a means for that goal. So those goals that we, we talked about, we said, okay, don't acquire knowledge to become an alim rabbani. He says, even beyond, higher than this is the fact that some people, this doesn't even cross their mind to begin with. 
Okay, there is no fight even happening. There is no struggle happening within them to think to themselves, "I am doing this for Allah's satisfaction, not to become this or that, not to become a spiritual scholar." That this person has reached a point where it's they're beyond all of this. He says that's even higher than this. But as I've said again and again, these are not things that we can. I personally think. I personally think these are not things that we can accomplish overnight and just be like, oh, thank you Ayatollah Jawadi for saying this. So now from now on, I'm going to be beyond all of this. No, if a person continues the path of Allah and the struggle that we talked about, first fighting fame and fortune, of course, then inshallah after 10 years, 15 years, and then fighting, I want to become a grand scholar for of Allah. Yeah, after putting all of that behind, it reaches a point where inshallah that these things don't even cross their mind. And we have lots of examples of these in stories. Then he comes back down to earth again. And I'm, I'm going to end after this. Ayatollah Jawadi, he took us next level, next level, next level. But then he comes back down again. And he starts a little last paragraph here where he calls it ikhlas pendari. Yeah, the, the illusion of ikhlas or having a, being delusional about having ikhlas. He says there are a lot of people that are under the wilaya and authority of shaitan. But they see themselves as mukhlis, having ikhlas. And this is a very key thing for us in communities and centers and mosques and so on. Okay? And institutes. Okay? He gives us a good measuring stick here. There are some we're under the wilaya of shaitan, but they see themselves as mukhlis. Give us an example. What do you mean? Look at the example he gives us. He says, sometimes we're doing and performing good deeds, getting good work done. But this is very important. But the moment they take that work from us and give it to somebody else. We will get, he says, negaron, worried. He doesn't even get. He doesn't say offended, angry. All he says is we get worried. That's not even close to getting angry, jealous, envious. We get worried. That means something happens within us. Something, a little something. Oh, what happened? You know that kind of thing. Now sometimes you'll ask yourself, what happened? Did I make a mistake? Is there anything I can fix? That's a different story. He's not talking about that. He's talking about something else here. All right. Let's say you know. That's, there's someone else that's more qualified. There's another scholar more qualified than a very uh, uh, unworthy person like me that can sit here and discuss these discussions, have these discussions that we're having. I know he can do it better. I know he has a accomplished some of what is in this book, for example. And so as a result, he can touch people more than me. All right, so it's not a mistake that I made or anything like that. No, there's just someone there's someone that can get it, get 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 the job done better, for example. Hey Shaykh, can you step down? I get worried. He says, This is gonna be a problem. This shows that I have wilaya of shaitan over me. Whoa. He says that this it becomes clear from this the fact that something happened in me when when they took it from me. He says that it becomes clear. We want a good deed, but not a good deed because of Allah. We want a good deed plus something. What is that? 
I want kar khair amal salih plus me. That's what I wanted. All this time I thought that I want amal salih. I want what Allah wants, right? But it turns out I wanted amal salih plus me and it being and it being uh, linked with me. Now sometimes you don't even get fame out of it. Just the fact that it's coming from me. That's what I wanted. You know why? This is what I wanted, not just Amal Saleh, but rather I wanted Amal Saleh plus me. Because when, the, when they erased the me from it, there's a problem now. <laughs> that shows that that's not, Amal Saleh wasn't the only thing I wanted here. Amal Saleh plus me, this package is what I wanted. That's why when they erased the me, the whole package is gone. He says this is a very big danger. And in this case, we're being selfish. We're being khudkhah, not khairkhah. Do we have this word in Urdu? Khah. You know, when you want something. I am being khudkhah, not khairkhah. And he says, as a result, on the Day of Judgment, and when they are reckoning things and calculating things and all of that, since I didn't want khair and I wanted khud, I wanted the self myself, they will give me self. And this on the Day of Judgment equals what? If you get self on the Day of Judgment instead of khair on the Day of Judgment, that I will be given the fire. Yes, that is a blaze that comes from or you know encompasses the hearts. This is what you wanted, this is what you get. Yeah. And so in the end, he gives this warning about ikhlas that, hey, don't be fooled with this whole ikhlas thing. We got we went all next level and stuff, but then he came back down. He said, look, there is one thing that becomes very subtle sometimes as well. And that is that we are after the khair for Allah. And we are sure that there is no one else outside that we're involving in this equation, in this package. But the problem is, we are negligent of one thing and that and that is that yes other than Allah is not in the picture other than Allah and other than me is not in the picture but if I really put it under the microscope I see that there's Allah and me in there yeah sometimes you're doing it for Allah and Riya so others see you there is no others here but there is a me here and the, and the sign for that is when you erase the me yeah I'm not interested anymore he didn't even say I'm not interested he said I worry a little bit. The heart might shake a little bit. That itself is a sign. So we need to work on these things. It's good to be aware of these matters so that later on, before it's too late, um, we, we, uh, we're not regretful when regret does us no good. Are there any questions before we end? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yes. So the example he gave in the book was pursuing and seeking knowledge, right? And that was just an example. But as you said, there are many examples for that. Going after a halal living and so on and so forth. All of these things fall under the same category. Once again, he's going next level with these things. For me, Right now, for me, what I have to do is I am going to go for out for a halal living because Allah said so. Okay, 
But for a person like him, because he's talking about the stages that we have to put behind us, he's just letting us know. Now, he won't word it like this ever in his book. That, look, people, I have gone this path, gone down this path. Now I'm coming back to tell, let you know what it looks like. All right. So, for example, a brother Bilal of the age of 30 should not be the same brother Bilal of age 60. When Brother Bilal reaches age 60, it should be, there should be some progress. That's what he's kind of, I think, saying. He's letting us know this is what it looks like. Okay? And if it doesn't look like this at the age of 60, then at least know that, okay, from here on, let me try to keep this in mind. Yeah? But if a person even, I want to say this again, and I always say this, look, if a person doesn't reach a point, even later years, of having these things happen for them, it's still fine. Still fine. Why? Because in the end, I know that Allah's satisfaction lies in me having this much. And if I haven't accomplished more, and I don't know what it's all about, how it works, look, we fall back on our bunkers. Our bunkers are those things that are set in stone, which is the basic ikhlas and continuing that till the grave. Because sometimes even I, I want to say this, that these are tests themselves. That I have all these years, I have been living the way Allah wants me to, but nothing has happened. What happened to that purest form of ikhlas? That akhla class, this uh, scholar story and all that stuff. Why isn't it not happening? That itself is a test for us. The solid basics. Stay with those. If you're able to accomplish more, accomplish them. If not, no worries at all. The main good stuff is going to happen after death. And sometimes these are our tests even. All right, so do the bandigi, right? The bandigi is for us. The bande parvari is on Allah. Bande parvari means, you know, the training, the, you know, uh, the, uh, what's the word for it? Do you have that word in Urdu or not? Upbringing. Upbringing, that kind of thing. Taking care of us is with Allah. If Allah gives me something special, they say Ayatollah Bahjad had so many cool things, cool things in my terms, of course, in his 20s. Like you don't even have enough time to accomplish that much in 20 years of spiritual growth. How does that happen? What is? We don't know how it works exactly. Allah gives him certain things. Another one till 80 doesn't give, although this person has been living it the way he's supposed to be living it, by the books, you know. So once again, um, let the Banda Parvari be in his hands. Bandagi is for us. But this is what it looks like if Allah wishes it for somebody, inshallah. These are the stages if Allah wishes it for some, inshallah. Yes? If you bring the dunya into the picture and you know how the material world is flawed and some good people what they have to deal with versus what some bad people have to deal with yeah the story will will go on but it won't be too relevant I would say to this uh, right now maybe we can discuss it afterwards a little bit more Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Wassalamu Alaikum Rahmatullah Salawat Inshallah we move on to Khalwa and isolation. 
But he says there's a good isolation, there's a bad isolation. We'll talk about that, inshallah. Alhamdulillah.